Welcome to the Occult London podcast. This is a new podcast dedicated to exploring magic, mysticism, the Kabbalah, as well as other topics. If you like the podcast, please write a review and rate us on iTunes as it will really help us to get this message out there. Also, be sure to visit our website at occultlondon.co.uk where you can subscribe to the show. If anyone has any questions for me, then I'd love to hear from them. So please reach out via Facebook or on email. I'd love to answer any questions you have. You can find uh, our Facebook on the show notes or alternatively email us at occultlondonpodcast at gmail.com. Hope you enjoy it. In today's episode, we are, we've had a bit of a break because I've been focusing on writing new episodes over the last few weeks and also had a bit of a travelling trip um, around the UK. But I wanted to do a couple of episodes which are sort of following on from our series on the magical use of incense. And in particular, I wanted to do two episodes focusing on two of the most famous incenses which are out there, which is frankincense and myrrh. So in this episode, we will be talking about frankincense and, you know, what its symbolism, what its significance is in regards to, you know, spiritual and magical practices throughout the ages. So frankincense and myrrh is obviously, you know, it's two of the most famous incenses out there. Uh, Although there are other resins, there's things like pine, copal, storax and dragon's blood. Um, Frankincense and myrrh generally are like the most popular that have been used throughout time. Um, there's lots of different stories and myths about this particular incense. And one. Yes, there's lots of different stories about this particular incense, and we hear stories from um, Herodotus, sorry, um, how the gum-bearing trees were guarded by red snakes which leapt into the air to inflict bites on the intruder. Uh, the incense trees were also meant to grow in mountainous areas where it was surrounded by mist that caused deadly epidemics, and it was considered very dangerous to collect the resin that they used to create these incenses. So they'd often uh, be defined as being a sacred place, sacred to a particular god and often guarded by a particular um, guardian. And Herodotus said the following, I just wanted to quote from him. Arabia is the only place that produces frankincense, myrrh, cassia, cinnamon and the gum called ledanon. All these except the myrrh cause the Arabians a lot of trouble to collect. When they gather frankincense, they burn storax, the gum which is brought into Greece by the Phoenicians, in order to raise a smoke, to drive off the flying snakes. These snakes, the same which attempt to invade Egypt, are small in size and of various colours, and great numbers of them keep guard over all the trees which bear the frankincense, and the only way to get rid of them is by smoking them out with storax. And that's from Herodotus. Another uh, writer who mentions them as well is Theophrastus. And he mentions them in his book called the Historia Planetarum. And also Pliny the Elder um, in his Natural History talks about uh, frankincense and myrrh. So what we can tell by this is obviously these are very valuable commodities they are considered very rare. They're considered, um, you know, dangerous to collect and worthy of being guarded. 
And as we can see, the trade for these particular incenses was very lucrative all over the world for over 1,500 years. And the geographical region where they would have grown was very small. So the price of this was very high and you know demand would have outstripped the volume that could be produced by these small volumes of trees. And as a result of this, the commodity of incense um, made a lot of traders extremely wealthy. The trading of frankincense and myrrh kind of increases around the 11th century with better land routes and the domestication of camels. And the plants would have been harvested in northeast Africa and the Arabian Peninsula and then transported to Egypt and India by sea. Uh, the Arabian frankincense and myrrh um, you know, would have been carried in camels, crossing the desert, navigating the stars and... Um, you know, it's quite a romantic image of these these big chains of camels crossing over the desert at night, uh, bearing gifts of incense and frankincense and myrrh. Um, a lot of cities would have made quite a lot of money from this, such as Petra. Um, I don't know if anyone's ever been there, but it's a really amazing uh, carved out city, basically out of the rock. And also... Um, you know, by by a thousand BCE, really, kind of, frankincense and myrrh would have been so widely distributed throughout the old world. You know, Babylon, Assyria, Egypt, Persia, Rome, Greece, and China—they all imported these resins that have been used in different temples, and also as part of medicines as well. So, frankincense and myrrh would have been prized possessions in the ancient world. You know, rivaling, um, you know, the value of different gems and metals. And the height of the trade would have taken place between the 2nd century CE when 3,000 tonnes of incense was shipped from South Arabia to Greece, Rome and the Mediterranean. And after the 3rd century, it would have slightly gone into decline. So let's talk quickly about the actual incense of frankincense itself and what it means. So Arabs called the milky sap of the frankincense tree al-lub which is from the word for milk and it was also used when it was talking about lebanon whose mountains were always capped by milky snow al-luban later changed to olibarman which is another name for frankincense and the word frankincense also means a true or the frank incense um, the trees obviously it comes from a tree they're normally found in countries such as Oman, Somalia, Ethiopia, Yemen and the southern Arabian Peninsula and India. The desert of the Dofar region in southern Oman is the source of the Boswellia Sacra, sacred frankincense. And the Boswellia Sarata, Indian frankincense, is widely distributed in the kind of dry and hilly parts of India. The trees on the Somali coast also produce uh, frankincense resin and they kind of grow on this sort of very um, polished marble rocks that don't have much soil but the, the frankincense really likes that particular type of climate to grow in and the purer the marble the stronger the tree seems to be as well so um, in terms of the kind of morphology of the uh, of the incense it's a hardened gum residue so it's a mixture of kind of volatile gum, resin and oils and from a species known as the Boswellia. In terms of how it looks, it's sort of translucent, uh, brittle, whitish yellow 
and and really nice smell and it's kind of round and club shaped so kind of little uh, almost like little rocks really that you would get um <clears throat> prices traditionally in terms of the history of it would have would have varied quite uh drastically sorry i can't talk today uh depending on the color so um you know the purer the purer colors would have been much more um expensive and obviously that would obviously have a, re a relation to the the scent as well so um you know it would be a, it's a very strong acrid scent um, but also very aromatic and it kind of really it really kind of uh, brings a really interesting atmosphere when you when you burn it um in some cultures they also chew um frankincense as well so when you chew it it actually uh, becomes soft almost like a kind of chewing gum when it's burnt uh frankincense produces a brilliant flame and it gives out an amazing aroma as well and it's difficult to describe it's a really kind of sweet um but also kind of balsamic-y scent and there's a sort of fruity top note as well and the, the fragrance is really predominantly due to lots of different um, factors within the actual composition of the the resin itself um there's apparently 25 different species of tree within the genus so in the dofar region the trees tend to be quite short and squat reaching a height of five meters and they have kind of papery peeling bark which varies from reddish white uh, to, to pure white um, and then there's also it grows in other places as well and in different forms uh, the frankincense in india uh, boswellia serrata is a large quite tall tree which has a straight buttress trunk with a clear bowl and widespread branches and this um, the trunk and the branch are very kind of gray in color as well um, <clears throat> in terms of the actual harvesting of the harvesting of the incense and this is one of those factors that you know you kind of bring in environmental um, questions these days um, so in Amman the frankincense is gathered by the Bedouin and you know the trees are actually owned by families in particular regions and sort of guardianship of the trees is passed down from generation to generation and there's various different ancient sort of rituals and ceremonies uh, surrounding the harvesting of the resin uh, within the the um, within the frankincense um, and and then on the southern Arabian coast the trees are tapped by often by visiting parties of Somalis who pay the Arabs for the uh, the privilege of collecting them um, frankincense from Amman is harvested during the spring and the fall and and then in India it's kind of more towards the end of October um, the, the way they do it is actually quite similar to how you would harvest um, you know things like maple syrup so they would actually they score the trunks at different parts along the main trunk and then the branches and then and then the milk the the, the wounds in the tree basically produce a milky white resin which hardens as it dries on the tree and then obviously that is taken away and and dried out and then the raw frankincense is stored in in dry caves and to cure, and then it's then it's be uh, sold on. And as I said, there's different grades. So the first is like the super fine, which is very translucent, very white yellow, uh, free from impurities. And then 
the longer it goes on, um, it becomes more and more browny color, um, and that's kind of got more, um, <clears throat> more less less kind of chemical purity from the point of view of the incense. So, if that makes sense. And um, that's something that's quite interesting about incense as well, because I know, uh, you know, it's hugely popular these days in in lots of different spiritual um, practitioners, and also just people that like to, like to make their house smell nice, etc. Um, however, there is quite a lot of concern over these trees being over harvested um, for commercial gain, rather than um, you know being sustainably farmed. So that's something that's quite interesting from the point of view of you know, how can we continue with an incense trade but keep it sustainable and environmentally friendly rather than completely, um, you know, overusing the trees so that they can't, um, you know, they can't survive. So um, so anyway, I hope everyone's enjoyed that. I just wanted to do a little bit of history of uh, frankincense. I'm going to do another episode on myrrh as well, just briefly. And then coming up, we're going to be doing a series of episodes on some of the the more kind of magical rites and things like that within the western mystery tradition so hope everyone's enjoyed it and yeah as i said please do please lead us to leave us a review if you are interested um or if you did enjoy the episode and also reach out if you have any questions thank you very much Friend of mine, your vision.